This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon. I have the world's worst Wi-Fi connection. Jack, how are you? You've got good Wi-Fi. you got a brick wall behind you, man. You're living the luxurious lifestyle. Yeah, you know, actually, I got this apartment. When was it? Last, last July. Purely for the content. No other reason. I saw exposed brick, and I was like, got to rent it for the content. And lo and behold, everything else about it is falling apart slowly. So... Yikes. Major yikes. We're here to talk about Mike Houston's meltdown. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he did have a little bit of a national TV meltdown. Mike Mike Houston, our, our friend of the pot, maybe? Um, I mean, friend of content. I've now used that word 14 times to start this episode out. Um, Mike Houston is Mr. Uh, he gets us clicks whenever we bring him up. JMU Twitter, JMU Social still loves to hear his name mentioned. I don't know if we want to, I mean, this is the basketball breakdown podcast. We're going to break down men's basketball, women's basketball. But since you brought it up, I feel like we should probably start this podcast with some Mike Houston talk and about his meltdown against Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, the what spurred it all, a fake punt up 32. I will defend it because BYU who since he since he's kind of like competing with to get the potential group of five playoff spot that might come BYU blew out I think it was Boise State a week ago and since he knew to kind of keep pace with them they would have to just smack down ECU so up 32 run a fake punt and I think they end up winning by what like 48 (laughs) something like that my logic is like look if you don't like it just stop it you know and Mike Houston also uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's beaten teams by over 70 points during his JMU tenure. So to lose by like 40 and get mad. Now he did take knees. Uh, one of the Rhode Island games, he was taking a knee with like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. But still, still, <laughs> there's no room for anger when someone scores points against you. Yeah. If, if you don't want that to happen, um, have a better defense. 
maybe put up points offensively because your your offense isn't the best. Your defense can't stop a nosebleed um, with cotton balls stuffed up the nose. Um, and, yeah, you destroyed teams in the past. Moorhead State, Rhode Island. So many times Mike Houston put up 78-7 to 7 type of score lines. Like, get over it. Get over yourself. It's football. I don't yeah. know. I think it was kind of weird to to meet him at half at, at midfield and be like, like, bro. Okay. Now that we're off of that, I guess we can jump into men's basketball who will be getting blown out. Like Mike Houston's ECU pirates get blown out this upcoming season. ECU is out of the playoff hunt. Jamie men's basketball is very much in the national title hunt. And here's why folks scheduling scheduling is key. JMU. It's all about momentum for me. And I think they're going to be able to build that. They open with a rival, which is tough, but the rival is having a down year. Lancaster Bible College, folks, I do not expect them to be up to par this year. I think they're going to be a little bit down, lost some good seniors, um, and I think I think they could be due for a, a rough year. I don't know if any of that's true. I don't even know if they had seniors. Um, but, uh, yeah, men's basketball, they're picked up finished ninth, but they also have Matt Lewis, who's the preseason player of the year. I thought that was a very interesting type of thing that you rarely see. I kind of got the vibe when I saw that Matt Lewis was the preseason pick for player of the year. I got the vibe that uh, it was kind of the easy pick. He's kind of like the known commodity in the CAA coming into the season. Like, you know, he's going to average 22 points on 38% shooting and he's going to be the best player. Like he is one of the top players in the CAA. And so, and he's like the known known guy like Grant Riller's gone who's kind of the other was the other known commodity Grant Riller actually got drafted by the Charlotte Hornets so staying in the Carolinas different Carolina but um staying in the 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 two states I forgot where Charleston was for a second my bad um geography but I think that's why Lewis got it you know he's going to be kind of a dependable score he's going to get his on on JMU and no other – you don't know anyone else on JMU's squad. Like, I was thinking about, like, what am I going to talk about for this men's basketball preview? Like, there are so many question marks where I can come in here and say, like, they're the dark horse to win the CAA like I do every year. But, like, you don't know with this team. What, Vado Morse, um, jo- Joel Mensa. The only known commodity is Matt Lewis. Well – well, don't forget about uh, Dalton Jefferson, walk on Holman Smith. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if Dalton's on the team anymore, is he? I don't think he is. But they've got some guys that I think are, are interesting. You look at Rayshon Fredericks as the guy, he, I think he played at Cincinnati and then UAB. Now he's at JMU. Michael Christmas, Julian Wooden uh, showed some flashes last year until the end when Lewis Rowe decided to not play Michael Christmas, which made lots of sense. Uh, so that was an odd one. But I think they've got a, a decent roster with some talented guys. I think they'll finish better than ninth. I think ninth feels really low to me. If you have the preseason player of the year, you're in a mid-major league. Like, I think if you looked around it, and I haven't done this, but I think if you looked around at every other, maybe I will, every other league in the country, uh, the team with the preseason player of the year, I guarantee is probably, guarantee is probably, in the, the top half of the league, right, in the preseason projected order of finish, like I'm kind of shocked to see if you think they have the best player and it's a, a low major league, I think it's hard to say that they'll finish ninth. 
I get what you're saying, though, with the logic of Lewis being, like, the returning guy. Right? Yeah, and he's going to get his – and this team overall, like, you know Lewis is great, but there's just so many question marks throughout this entire roster that, like, he may do everything and be the best player in the CAA, but if he's putting up 28 a night and the rest of the team combined is putting up 20, you're not winning anything, you know? But, like, you can't, like, discredit him having a fantastic season type of thing. Like, everyone knew Ben Simmons was the number one overall pick back in, what, 2015, was it? Whenever he was drafted. But, like, LSU was a bad team. But you knew he was one of the best players in college basketball. He was good. But they weren't they weren't horrible when Simmons was there. They were, like, a – decent power five squad and he went to a program that stinks like i think okay I sorry bad example bad example. No, it's not a bad example it's just like i just don't think they're ninth bad like i could see like fifth i think i think it's kind of i think the media honest because the media votes on this right yeah i think they've kind of been burnt in the last couple like the last two years of the row era when they were like okay jamie's gonna be like the five like i think they were picked in the top third last year to finish and everyone was kind of like scratching their heads so i think they were kind of burned the last couple of times of kind of pegging him in like the fifth or sixth spot and now they're just like okay they've proven nothing we're not going to give them based off of potential like they're the ninth but i i agree with the ninth preseason ranking because like here's my rationale is that Lewis Rowe was never a head coach before coming to JMU. He was an assistant on primarily bad teams. Um, he was hired because he played at JMU, basically. Honestly, uh, great hire. That just sounds fantastic. Never a head coach, only an assistant on terrible teams. Let's bring him in into this growing – Never. don't even get me started. <laughs> but Byington, I think he had – let me make sure I get this correct. Well, I'm not going to get it correct. But they, I think he had four. He had four twenty-win seasons at Georgia Southern. So I mean, he's someone that's that's coached a lot. He knows what he's doing. I think he like can come in and actually implement something. Whereas Roe, you had him, and I think he was kind of just like, kind of guessing and sort of grasping at straws in terms of how to win games, leading a program. He's a really good dude and someone that I think cared a lot. But I think there's a difference between caring a lot and knowing sort of what direction to take a program. So that's for me. It's like. They've got some talent that I like. They've got a little bit of size compared to normal years. Matt Lewis is a good player. And they have a coach who is, appears to be competent. Like, I think that's why I like them in the top half of the league. Um, whereas other years, I think everyone was kind of assuming, like, oh, they'll just figure it out in a row. And we were all horribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think they're a dark horse. Like, I say it every year, and it's probably that's lost its luster. What'd you say? National title contender, a dark horse. I think they could. I think they could win the CA, but it, there it's just so much dependent on. We know what Matt's going to bring. Yeah. It's a question of what's Christmas going to bring. What's Mensa going to bring down low? Because that's just is where they always get crushed. Like in years past, like they may have something going in a game. Because, I mean, you can't even look at it as a full season. You have to just look at game by game because they were so bad. But, like, there'd be games where, like, something's starting to go right for them. They're up 20, and then they just can't rebound the ball. And so post play is going to be huge, and I think that all relies on Mensa because he's the only guy, I think, above 6'8 on this squad. Maybe Zach Jacobs is 6'9. I think no, they got Zach Jacobs is 6'8. But they have guys, like, right at 6'8. 
so like Mensa's the only like big man I would consider yeah. um, who can get down and dirty in the post. So I think, I think this season is going to come down to Matt Lewis, Christmas's development and Harvey's um, development and how good is Joel Mensa down low? Yeah. I think the, the post plays big. Cause you mentioned in previous years, I mean, they weren't the best in the post, but at least like they had Dwight Wilson at times and he really developed into something. Obviously he was one of the transfers out. I think also trying to implement a system during a pandemic is going to be hard. Yeah. So I get, I get that aspect, that logic of having them ninth, like it's a new coach, a ton of new faces and they haven't had a normal off season. So I totally get it. But I think by the time they get to conference play, I think they will have ironed out some of those issues. Um, they have enough just like horrendous opponents on the schedule that I think they'll, they'll be able to play pretty much everyone in those games. And they also have enough, like you look at old dominion, Radford, George Mason, those are decent opponents, Florida, is a team that's significantly better than JMU. So you would think that that game uh, would pose a good challenge. So I think there's enough there that I think they can figure it out by conference play. Now, what I will say, and we can get into this now, I guess, the schedule with the pandemic in conference play is super, super weird, right? You play the same team consecutively. Oh, I dig it. That's super hard, though, to like, I think they might be able to pull out a lot of splits, which makes me think they could find a way to sort of sneak in and be a, top five team, but winning both games over, what is it, over a weekend? Uh, are they so Saturday? Most of them are back-to-back. Saturday, Sunday? Good God. <laughs> yeah, so I don't <laughs> I didn't realize they were that stacked. Um, I don't know how you – like winning – for them to win two in a row, I feel more confident with Byington, but like Saturday, Sunday, same opponent, man. They're going to be a ton. Like if everybody in the league like splits, I would not be shocked a lot of – a lot of weekend splits. That was hilarious. You said, <laughs> wait, they played Saturday, Sunday? For some um, reason, I thought it was like Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, but that isn't right. So before we jump into kind of breaking down men's basketball schedule, um, I do want to get where do you think they finish in the CAA at the end of the season? And do you have a pick for, I won't say CAA player of the year preseason, but a preseason kind of team MVP? That's a good question. I think I kind of agree with you on Mensa, but I'll say something else just so we don't completely repeat ourselves. I think Lewis will obviously be important, but I'm interested in kind of the wooden and Christmas thing in the front court. Um, I think if one of them can step up or both of them as sort of a a three or a four, I think that'd be really valuable, sort of a power forward. Julian Wooden showed some really good signs. Christmas, when he was able to actually be on the court, showed the ability to shoot the ball a lot better than I thought he would. So if one of those two or, or both of them can develop and be consistent at kind of the four, I think that would help them where they could even occasionally go really, really small and stick one of them at the five just because you're not going to play Mensa 40 minutes a game. Um, but I think if, if they can have one of them at the four playing well and then you've got Mensa in there, I think there's enough depth at the guard spot that they'll be able to find a way to win some games. What about you? What's your CAA prediction? I see a prediction. Um, I'm going to say they'll finish fourth in the league. Okay. I know nothing about the other teams. (laughs) Yeah, nothing. I know nothing. All I know is they, that Charleston no longer has Grant Riller. And the only reason I know that is because I saw a TikTok this morning talking about how the Hornets (laughs) picked him. (laughs) So that's the only, honestly, I would have thought he was coming back for his 18th year um, to Charleston. Um, Hofstra, should. Hofstra should be good. Hofstra is always a solid team. Their coach is really good. 
Yeah. That's who JMU should have gone out and poached. I mean, we poached Signetti from a CAA school. Um, <laughs> I think they finish. I like your prediction at fourth, but just to not agree with you, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say third. <laughs> Very different really? from you. Um, I think team MVP is going to come down to Christmas and Mensa. Um, kind of for the same reasons you were talking about. But I think Christmas's development will be huge. Um, how he does with more minutes because Roe took away all of his minutes at the end of last season. And it's like, how does Byington implement him? How does he gel with Lewis? Cause Matt's a volume shooter, a volume scorer. He's going, I've said it a couple of times already. He's going to get his on his 38% shooting. Like, so how does Christmas deal with that? And then Mensa is going and has to be, has to be a presence down low, has to be huge down low. If he's not, I I need him, need him to average twelve rebounds a game. Twelve, <laughs> average twelve. He can average two points a game, but I need him to get twelve rebounds a game. I think if he goes out and can get, yeah, right around. If he can get the eight to twelve range, I think that'll be valuable. I think they could run into issues if he's like not a dominant CAA big man. Yeah, I mean, everything points to him being one because he was a San Diego State recruit. He's 6'10", which is on the bigger side of CAA big men. He should be, for all intents and purposes, a great CAA big man. But we've never seen him play, so. And he's a, he's a big 6'10". He's not a... Uh, he's not a small 6'10". He's not a Kevin Durant 6'10". He's not a twig, right? He's got a little body that he can throw around and, and rebound, so... You're not going to face many like seven foot guys in this league, um, especially of his pedigree. You mentioned San Diego State. So, yeah, if he can go out and be dominant, they've got Matt Lewis. You get development from the Woodens, the Christmases, and then some of the other like younger guards can come in, do some nice things. I think they've got a chance to be pretty good. I like their coach. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they've got a chance to surprise some people, which we've said for, you know, 20 years now. And for the schedule, Let's do a quick rundown. Give me the two games you're circling, non-con, because we already talked about conference. It's weird. It's, yeah. it's two games essentially back-to-back. I mean, they start with Towson, then UNCW, Elon, Northeastern, COC, William & Mary, Hofstra, Delaware, Drexel. Like, very straightforward. We really don't know what we're going to expect out of the conference slate. It's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. It's going to be the CAA. All on flow hoops, not sponsored. But which two non-con games are you circling? I mean, I think it's kind of obvious, right? Lancaster Bible College and Carolina University. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you went that route because that's what I was thinking too. Um, it's a good question because they don't have that many games. I think there's the tendency to circle Florida, but for me, that game doesn't mean a whole lot. It means um, nothing. It would be sweet if they were able to like, you know, start the year really strong, go out and compete in that game. But I, I just don't expect that. The only way Florida matters as a game is if they're undefeated going into it. They won't but be. <laughs> they won't be. But even if they are undefeated going into it, they don't have really a chance at an at-large bid with a D3 school. On oh, I guess. Yeah. But, like, say they're undefeated with, like, huge blowouts, and then they go into Florida and win by, like, 15 – and then they go through and have like one loss on the CAA schedule. Maybe in the weird year that 2020 is like, maybe that's good enough for an at large. And that's the only way that Florida game matters. Right. So, I mean, that one's not a huge one. Uh, it's, it should be interesting to watch if nothing else, I guess we'll end up seeing 
what the, the TV aspect or streaming is. Uh, but for me, I'm going to go out and I will say, I'm going to say Old Dominion and George Mason. Uh, they were able to beat Old Dominion last year. They did everything they could to choke that game away, but didn't. Ended up winning. The buzzer beater was wiped out, so they ended up holding on. But, like, those are the kind of games, and you can put Radford in there, but, like, Old Dominion and George Mason are still sort of, kind of, I think, James, you consider them sort of like basketball rivals or, or sporting rivals. So if you can go out and win one or both of those, I think it can help Byington sort of endear himself to the fan base. I have a qu- I don't know if you know the answer to this. Why is the George Mason game being played in Richmond? Do not know. I wonder if there's a, uh, a little Saturday bubbly thing going on. Okay. That makes sense. That's what I, I assumed, guess. but. Yeah. All right. You want to move it on over to women's? You're going to have two? Do you have two? Oh, you, you hit mine. Lancaster Bible, a big one. The Carolina University Bruins. Um, Can we talk about how they're playing Lancaster Bible to open the season? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's the game. Here's the thing. Lancaster Bible College, located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, is the school that is opening the Atlantic Bank and Union Trusts, or whatever it's called, center. That's the game that for the rest of history is going to be the opening game. What stinks, too, because they gave the men the early slot. Right? That's so what that's, I'm saying. That's the actual opening game. It's not just the men. It's like that's the first game. I mean, I get it with the pandemic scheduling is hard, and I think they, the way they're going to look at it is they open the arena with a win. Hopefully, if they don't, the Byington era will be off to a, <laughs> a rocky start. Um, I think they should be okay in that one. Though. If Roe did anything well, it was beating D3 opponents. Yeah, they were tied at the half once against Eastern Mennonite, though. Don't, don't forget about that. <laughs> I just – I don't understand why you didn't call up – I mean, are EMU and Bridgewater not doing sports? Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, why don't you just call them up and get them on the phone to drive across to town? Like, (laughs) who knows how it came to be? But uh, it's interesting for sure. First five games are at home. That's kind of interesting. But also um, worth noting that the fans, I don't think, did they say they're going down to 250 or did they not let fans in? I don't think fans are allowed. Okay, so it's like the capacity is like 250, but I think it's mostly going to be like family or something like that. But regardless, it's going to be really interesting to see how the year goes without the home court advantage. Not that the CAA is known for like raucous home crowds, uh, but it will be, <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see. It's also kind of disappointing for JMU um, to open the new arena that they spent a lot of money on with nobody in it. Yeah, I was kind of sad. I was going to try and make my way down to Harrisonburg this season to catch a yeah. game there. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to try and go down for the UVA game. I was going to try to go for Lancaster Bible. <laughs> and, uh, then they announced this attendance thing, dude. Uh, you want to jump over to women's? Yeah, let's do the team that actually is good at basketball. Um, women's basketball projected to win the Colonial Athletic Association. Not a huge shock there. Kiki Jefferson headlines are a pretty good roster madison green's pretty good you got nikki oppenheimer the shooter they got some some depth around there i'm trying to think they added some transfers um i want to make sure i don't get their names wrong and dioff i think i might be pronouncing that incorrectly but she's a 644 from georgia tech joins the team they also had the virginia transfer who sat out brianna tinsley 
at guard. So that'll be interesting. And then the Georgetown transfer Morgan Smith at forward. So they added some transfers. Obviously, Nick and, Nikki Oppenheimer is also the Syracuse transfer, but she was been around for a little bit now. But what do you think about this team, their prospects, and the overall roster? They're going to be good again. <laughs> it's crazy how – it's just insane how JMU women's basketball – has this revolving door of a fantastic number one. Yeah, it's, it's very impressive. Like, what, before Precious, it was? Um, you can make the argument. I mean, it kind of altered because, like, Precious got hurt, but Guathme, Jazz Guathme, she played in um, yeah. a little WNBA stint. And um, then it was, like, Don Evans before that. They've had some players. Like, it, yeah, it's just always it seems like they have one person who's fantastic with a bunch of great players backing her up. Um, with this team, I think they're going to be really, really good because Kiki Jefferson is really, really good. Um, no slight to Kamaya in the least with what I'm about to say, but I think Kiki may be one of the best um, players we've seen in a while for women's basketball, just based off of her her freshman year. And if if there's any growth there, I expect her to be – even better. And then with a, a great supporting cast, Madison Green's proved that she can take over this team and be a fantastic guard. Oppenheimer is a fantastic shooter. I think a better shooter than Benitez. Um, Benitez was probably the streakiest shooter I've ever seen play. If she hits her first shot, it's going to be a great night. Um, if not, she might go 0 for 10, but she will never stop shooting. Um, but yeah, I think overall <laughs> Rain Tucker showed flashes last season as a great forward. Um, I like it. I really like this team. Yeah, Rain Tucker's really good. I think this is actually a good – it's kind of a weird comment, but I think this is a good pandemic team <laughs> in the, the sense that, like, I don't think this year is going to go great in terms of games being played. Like, there are going to be some cancellations. They already had the Marquette game canceled. There's going to be some postponements and things like that uh, that sort of alter the schedule. And this team is young enough that I don't think it's going to, like, ruin anyone. I think they're going to continue to – develop whatever games they can play great if they can make it to the ncaa tournament great if not though i think they'll just gain experience and get better because you look at that the core at least some of the the key players kiki jefferson's a sophomore rain tucker who stands out as another really good player as a sophomore tinsley a transfers a redshirt junior jalen caradine's a junior um the another year together they have at least one more yes. year together like as a core yeah they've got all these players that, that sort of come back as a core and are really good. Madison Green's a junior. And I want to, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. I have to find it. The Canadian who I think is like low Eleanor key. One of, Eleanor Mart. I need to look, I gotta look up the, the, uh, the last name pronunciation guide, but she's really good. Like she's a player that I have liked for a long time. She hasn't had a chance to play much. Yeah, when she, she, she can score. Yeah. Her minutes kind of got cut. Mm -hmm. She played 20 games, like just looking at her career stats. She played 20 games. The 2018-19 season was her freshman year. And she showed flashes, 6.2 minutes a game, 48% um, from the field. But then I don't know what happened. 11 games played last season, 3.3 minutes a game, and only took six shots. So, Yeah, some of it was not getting as much like – time in there some of it is like depending on i guess when the team blows someone out and when you're actually able to play in like mop-up duty but she um i think she's good so i like I, she's a good shooter yeah 
so I'm interested to see how how she developed and how the team developed overall. The schedule is good. They actually have kind of an interesting schedule. So they've got some easy ones in there, but they do play at Virginia. They play at West Virginia. They've got George Mason, George Washington. And then they also have the Saturday, Sunday conference games, which I guess I had blocked out for both teams. And now it's going to make me laugh all winter. So, that's, that's so weird. I get it. I get it. But goodness gracious, that's going to be odd. But I like this team. I like this team. I agree. Um, I had another point I was going to make. Oh, it was kind of going back to your point about how this team is the perfect pandemic team. It's also like they're not going to – they're not winning an NCAA tournament game this season. Yeah, probably not. Like last season, that was a team that – I mean, ESPN was even predicting it, like had dark horse potential. This team isn't that, but that's the beautiful thing that the core is still together next year. And next year, they they have a – maybe even the year after that, they have a real chance at being a potential dark horse team in the tournament. The way I look at it, like as long as Sean O'Regan is there and they can keep bringing in – one of the recruits they brought in was a like a really highly um, touted four-star. I don't remember which one. Uh, the Jamie Sports Blog guys had O'Regan on, and he did a, a nice job explaining. Um, but I, I took no notes. Um, but anyway, they're pretty talented and very solid. But the way I, I see it is, like, if O'Regan's there for a little while, like, this is the kind of team that once you can actually put bodies in, in the stands of that new arena, I think they're going to be so, so hard to beat and go really far because they're going to just take care of businesses at home like they have in the past. It's going to be a great atmosphere, which I think will help get recruits. Like, I think they're on the verge of becoming a consistent NCAA tournament team that can actually win games in the tournament. It's just probably going to have to wait a year, I would guess, just given how young the, the stars are. Yeah. Okay. Are they going to win the CAA this season? I think so. Who's the team MVP? I think the team MVP is going to be I don't want to pick Kiki Jefferson because it's too obvious. Like she's good. I think Rain Tucker is really important. I'm going to say Madison Green. She's someone that stands out. She's super tough at the point guard spot, shoots the ball really well. I think she's someone that's going to surprise people and be kind of like an all CA caliber player because she's efficient. She does what she needs to do. And I think with her, Kiki, you look at Rain in the post and some of the other players there, I think Madison Green has a chance to really thrive. Yeah, Madison learned under Logan Reynolds, so knows how to be a tough, pesky defender at the point position. Um, yeah, I think they win the CAA far and away. I think they probably drop two games just based off of this weird schedule, uh, maybe even three. I don't think they're going undefeated in CAA, um, but I think they win it, and I think that – I'm mad that you said Madison Green. I thought you were going to go Rain Tucker, so yeah. I could pick Madison Green. Um, but I'm going to go with the obvious choice and say Kiki Jefferson. She is going. <laughs> she's going to ball out this year. Um, I'm really surprised. I guess I guess the Player of the Year is more like a kind of a senior award when it's a preseason, like who's played well over the last three years. But Kiki Jefferson, let's start it now. Kiki Jefferson for Player yeah. of the Year. She's so good. Like she was averaging, what is it? Yeah, it's basically 10 points and five and a half rebounds last year with 
Kamaya and Lexi and Kayla Cooper Williams and all these stars, she averaged 24 minutes a game and she still had those numbers. Like, I think she could get close to 20 points a game. And like, I mean, she could be close to averaging a double double. Like she's insane. Yeah. She's dirty. Like that, that, that those are some numbers. Like, Putting up the, and that's probably really efficient scoring too, probably on like 50 plus percent from the floor. 46.4 and 39.7 from deep. Yeah, so very efficient. Like, you just don't see those numbers very often, uh, especially in the women's game to have the shooting numbers that high, that early at a mid major school. It's just, she's a next level player. At a good mid major school. Yeah. So like there's a difference between. <laughs> yes yes there is and you were saying they were receiving votes in a poll is that right yeah let me see which poll i hit the wrong link that makes me not the biggest fan of jmu's remodel of their website um personally personally but that's just to me but dukes received votes in the preseason poll in the wbca preseason top five what does that mean no idea the WBCA Jefferson preseason all CAA first team selection dominated her freshman campaign as she earned the CAA rookie of the week honors nine times. Second most in CAA history behind who? Lena Deladon. Damn it. <laughs> they brought it up like every week last year. They were hammering it because she was like chasing it down. I thought she was going to get there and they're like, she's the best to ever play. Um, in the preseason oh, USA Today top 25. Oh, okay, okay. That's pretty cool. I mean, they yeah. were ranked at the end of last season, right? Yeah, they're a fringe, I think so. They're a fringe top 25 team right now. I'm excited. If the transfers work out, they could be, like I was kind of, I don't want to say I'm dismissing them. I just don't know anything. Yeah. If the transfers turn out to be as good as, as maybe they're capable of being, um, they could they could be pretty good. Isn't it funny how for men's basketball with all the transfers were like, well, we expect this huge output out of them and like we need them to be great down. And then women's basketball were like, well, their core is so strong. I, I, I just expect like two points out of the transfer. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's just such a difference in how we treat women's and men's because women's is good. Yeah, because it's like harder to actually break into the lineup. I think some of it is, I think the Georgetown transfer Morgan Smith was more of a, a role play yeah she's kind of a role player who plays good defense so she fills that sort of role I think Tinsley though the Virginia transfer could be a good scoring guard if I'm not mistaken I think she's pretty decent at that yeah she can shoot the ball a little bit so that kind of sounds like um Morgan Smith maybe filling the Ania Young role I was gonna say she's kind of got that Ania Young defense and she has the same kind of height and like forward role but she's got the athleticism of almost a guard Tinsley in a way is sort of a little like the Jackie Benitez role where she can come in I think she's more efficient won't shoot as much though um and then Dioff I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly I didn't really need to look at these she's the one who I'm yeah she didn't have a ton of playing time at Georgia Tech um if I'm not mistaken but super athletic and, and tall 6-4 forward so I feel like in the CA if you have a 6-4 player that can be serviceable with Rain Tucker and Madison Green and Kiki Jefferson, like, they're going to be a pretty solid team. Yep, I agree. And we're, we're excited about them. There's a chance both these teams go to the NCAA tournament, men's and women's. There actually is, and I think that's the first time we can, like, legitimately say that um, just because of all the question marks around men's basketball. It would be foolish for us 
to say stamp it, but it would also be foolish of us to not even recognize it. it. All right. Do you want to jump into the Shantwell special? Yeah, the Shantwell special, for those of you that don't know, it's just me giving Jack weird betting ideas and then you shoot them down or not. And it's, I used, I bet your one from two weeks ago. Did it hit? It was so off. Steelers minus 13 and a half. You said hammer it. Tech minus 14 and a half. You said hammer it. Tech lost to Liberty and the Steelers almost lost to the Cowboys. (laughs) There's a third part of it though. Giants money line. Giants did beat Washington. And you, you said BYU minus three. And that was the game they won by 50. Okay, so I was I was two for two, but I think I told people to parlay it. But I was I was two for two. We have to keep tabs here. Two for four. You were two for four. <laughs> <laughs> I meant two and two. Like I got two. <laughs> I was two for two. Yes, I was two for four, which could be worse. <laughs> but it's also not good. All right, so I've got some good ones this week that I think are going to really. Actually, Shantwell has these. These aren't me, just to clarify. This is Larry Shantwell, noted betting expert in the Las Vegas community. He texts me these, and I just pass them along. So the first one that Larry likes is, hold on. It was Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina. Let me find the spread. Appalachian State is a five-point road underdog to Coastal Carolina, undefeated Coastal. They're ranked, the Shants. To me, that's a lot of pressure. You're ranked. You're Coastal Carolina. People are talking about you. They're doing all these ESPN segments. Here's how you pronounce our mascot. Maybe you should have a mascot that's easier to pronounce if you didn't want people to mispronounce it. But I think that's going to really get to them. I think all the the fame, the ranking. Appalachian State 6-1. and This is a good football program. This is a proud football program. This is a team that beat. lost to Marshall in the beginning of the season. That's their one loss. Their offense got nothing going in that game. Marshall – is having a season to remember on the 50th anniversary of the plane crash. Wow. You knew more about this than I expected. That's disappointing for me trying to convince <laughs> you that. But I think Appalachian State, money line. I'm not talking about covering this five-point spread. Money line. They're an upset. I like win. that bet. I like that bet a lot because I think App State is being slept on. They were a great team last year that received votes. I think Coastal is an overhyped team that is benefiting on a weird college football season, and they're undefeated, so that helps. But I think App State is the better team. And I think the thing that's interesting for me is Coastal is kind of like this little darling of the media because they're undefeated, right? Like if Appalachian State was also undefeated, I'm not sure this line would be what it is. So I think – 110%. I think they're a little more eager just because of what Coastal has been able to do, but I really like Appalachian State as one of my picks okay let me pull up my nfl lines here but i'll do two college and two nfl that's the way it goes you were really bad on one college and one nfl last time so let's see if we can get better there was college there was something that i liked (laughs) i can't remember is it miami east carolina's favored against who temple that's a big line movement Made my Houston. I like Temple. <laughs> I like Temple plus three and a half. I don't know. Did they have like a COVID thing? Probably. I honestly have no idea, but yeah, fade Mike Houston. They're just, they don't look good. Hold on. Let me see if they got COVID. Uh oh. Maybe they do have some It's unclear if they have COVID problems. Um, so that makes me a little bit hesitant. Oh, 
Let's change this. Oh my god. What was my upset pick? No, that I've already picked. Okay, we'll stick with that. Temple plus three and a half. I'm a little wary about the money line because I'm not sure anything about Temple, but I like I like fading ECU right now. So Temple plus 3.5. They opened as a three-point favorite and it's shifted significantly. That's very alarming to me, which makes me think that people are over-shifting. Plus 3.5, Temple, that game's going to end in a tie. I like that there. Okay. NFL lines. There we go. Let me pull these up. Let me pull these up. Let me pull these up. I do. I, I just want to say I do like that Temple pick as well. ECU's defense is really bad. Um, Temple's at home, and in the weirdness of COVID nineteen football, I do Ooh, kind terrible. of do like being home team. Temple's not bad. Oh, maybe they are. Oh, Temple's Temple's awful. Yeah, Temple's not good. See, that's something that I didn't know, but I still like this. I do too, just because ECU isn't good either. They're one in five. But they've one in five, but some of these, actually almost none of them, have been competitive. <laughs> okay, uh, NFL, NFL, NFL. <laughs> it's Larry's bet, so he likes it. Um, Arizona Seattle's one that jumps out, I, I think, um, hammering the living crap out of out of Seattle uh, to lose. Is it <laughs> <laughs> that I like. No, I'm just kidding. Stay away from that Arizona Seattle game. If you do bet it, hammer the over. That's hammer the, the over. When in doubt, Seattle over. That defense can't stop anyone, and I still believe in refs. Okay, so Detroit and Carolina. Carolina opened as a two point favorite. Teddy Bridgewater looks like he's not going to play. He also looked McCaffrey's out. The Lions are now a point and a half favorite. Wow. Yeah, the the Lions are fired up after last week's win over Washington. I like the Lions minus 1.5. Can I tell you something? Yeah. A smart man once told me never bet on the Lions. You know who that smart man was? It was me. But Shantwell likes <laughs> Shantwell really likes the Lions in this one. Uh, I think just take it, run, be able to do what you do. Second, second game here. You can always fade the Chargers because they're the worst, but we're not doing that. We're going to go back to the Steelers. Huge, huge spread. They're 10-point favorites over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like the Steelers when they have big spreads. So does Shantwell. Did it work out last time when they played Dallas? No. 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 But Did I'm Jacksonville just give Green Bay a huge scare? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone's going to think. Jacksonville, wow, wow. Pittsburgh, boo-boo. Pittsburgh in a landslide, minus 10. Put your mortgage on it. I want to take all of your mortgage picks, the ones where you're so positive and you're like, put your mortgage on it. I want to take those picks and see your record in those games compared to records of like random, random bets. Also, a bonus, a bonus bet, Cincinnati money line over Washington feels like it is just taking candy from a baby. It's basically a pick em. You can actually get Washington right now is favored. Um, Washington's terrible. Cincy? You can get Cincy as the dog against the Washington football team? Yeah, I believe so. Cincy is a good team. They just – a good team. <laughs> you know they're, who else is a good team? Not that bad, though, with Burrow. Yeah, exactly. You know who else is a good team but just can't finish? Not the Seahawks. The Chargers. Yeah, I don't like them, though. Nine and a half point favorites this week? That's big. 
They're not. Who are they playing? Jets. <laughs> I still don't like that. Give me the Jets. Give me the Jets plus nine and a half. Jets. I would just avoid it at all costs. Wow. All right. Oh, uh, the other, the other one. Miami is a three and a half point favorite over Denver. Stay away. <laughs> Those are my bets, though. I think uh, the Lions are going to cover pretty easily, minus one and a half. That seems like a lock. And um, Pittsburgh over Jacksonville. I think they'll probably end up winning that one by about twenty-one. And I don't remember my college bets. Temple and and Appalachian State. As I put these into my DraftKings calculator to figure out. Um, Are you gonna play them? No, yeah, not I. I'm not betting. No, it's okay. You can bet it. I'm not betting. Um, A friend of mine is currently blowing up my phone about how scared he is for the game tonight. Yes. Yes. DeAndre Swift is out. Wait, what? What? Oh, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> These odds are getting up there, man. Why is DeAndre Swift out? Oh my god, he's concussed. When the hell did that happen? And we're gonna throw in your Cincy money line just cause. We're still keeping the Lions, but that's a blow. What is a blow to the psyche? God damn it. Alright, you wanna know what your uh, parlay odds are for this five leg parlay? You're in season. Um yes. Plus three thousand five hundred forty one. That's with Cincy? That's with Cincy, meaning if you bet 10 bucks on this parlay, you make $354. And that'll wrap it up for this. Huh? Make $354,000. Oh my God, hammer it. <laughs> I bet it so much sometimes. Um, that was it for the Basketball Breakdown Podcast. For Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your probably coming out on Friday but the wonderful rest wonderful rest of whatever day you're listening to this on see ya thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.